Hi, this is Ann Robertson, pastor of the United Methodist Church of Westford in Westford, Massachusetts. This is the sermon from this morning, Christmas Eve, December 24th. The morning service, there hopefully will be, well, there will be an evening service. Hopefully the sermon for this evening will be recorded because it's a different one, but I'm not sure about that. So if it gets recorded, you'll also see that come up sometime tomorrow or the next day. Hope you have a wonderful and blessed Christmas. Please remain standing for the gospel according to John. This is John's version of the Christmas story. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Probably a number of you saw the article in the paper back early in the week about our live nativity that we had on Sunday night. The reporter who did that story came about an hour early to talk with me and to talk with other people getting ready about the event. And as we got into the conversation, she asked me about the purpose of having a live nativity. And I told her, well, it helps us experience the events in a way that at least is a little bit closer to the way that they happened than it is just sitting inside of a building. A real mother takes her real baby outside to a place that's surrounded by real animals. There are real people who have to take care of real sheep and so forth. I mentioned how hard it must have been for Mary to ride more than 70 miles on a donkey and then give birth in a stable. And then the reporter asked, So why'd she do that? I explained a bit about the census and how they had to show up in the town of their ancestry in order to pay their taxes. So they went from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. No, I explained they came from Nazareth up in the north. Why did shepherds come, she asked. We talked some more. What's a heavenly host, was the next question. Why did they kill the babies? As the conversation went along, it became obvious that this very bright young woman in her early 20s did not know the story. She knew bits and pieces, the things you might pick up from the common Christmas carols or from the front of Christmas cards. But she could not have sat down and told even a child the Christmas story. Now, you can fault her or her parents for that. Or maybe you think it doesn't really matter. I think it does matter. And I think the fault lies with us in the church. 
because we are the keepers of the story. Not just a local congregation, but the church with a capital C, the church universal, Catholics and Baptists and Methodists and Lutherans and Episcopalians and all the rest of us. If there are people living around us who don't know the story, we are the ones who have fallen down on the job. Stories, whether they represent historical events or flights of imagination, are a critical part of life. I don't care if you read them, if you listen to them, or if you watch them on DVD. The stories we hear and see shape our lives, and they teach us how to view the world. As I thought about stories, I remembered a girl in the first church that I served up in rural northwest Florida. Her name was Hillary, and she was about 11 years old at the time. Hillary lived in a rundown house with a mother who used drugs and neglected her, with stepbrothers who beat her up just about every day, and down the street from an uncle who raped her. She came by the parsonage just about every day of every week for a hug, sometimes for a meal she often hadn't eaten. Sometimes her clothes were torn from a recent fight. Sometimes, even in the rain and cold, she had no shoes. One of the days she came, her brothers had been particularly bad, and she wanted to stay with me until her mother got home. So we had some soup, and then we sat down to watch a video. And she looked over what I had, and she picked out Cinderella. And in watching that movie with Hillary, I became aware of how important fairy tales are in our lives. No, Prince Charming was not going to save her from a horrible life. There wasn't likely to be any happily ever after for Hillary. But there on the couch for a couple of hours, things could be different. She could hear a story, and she could learn to believe in magic and in miracles. She could learn to hope for better days and for somebody who would love her. Hillary didn't just like the Cinderella story. Hillary needed the Cinderella story. She needed to believe in a world where the good are rewarded and where inner beauty and goodness can wash away ugliness, cruelty, and servitude. She needed to believe that someday her prince would come. And if she needed the story of Cinderella, how much more did she need the stories of Jesus? And she got them. She was there every single Sunday in church, even though she made people mad because she was noisy and she couldn't sit still in the middle of services. She'd get up and she'd wander around here and there in the church. But she needed that Christmas story and that Easter story and the stories about how Jesus loved those that everybody else thought were worthless. She needed to know that God had given her and everybody a gift in Jesus, who was born a poor baby, just like her. She needed to know that Jesus got beaten up too, but that he was the winner even so. She needed the stories about Jesus, she needed the stories that Jesus himself told, the parables that helped his followers see the world and imagine life in a different way. 
And we in the church are the keepers of those stories. We couldn't change Hillary's life. When we tried as a local church to get Hillary out of that house and into the Methodist children's home, her mother packed them up and moved them so that she wouldn't lose the extra money in the welfare check. We couldn't change her circumstances, but we could give her the stories. Stories of hope and love and a God that would actually come and live with us as one of us to help get us through. The stories of Jesus have been with me all of my life. My parents and my church could have given me no greater gift. Of course, a lot of the time the church was trying to tell me what those stories meant and what I should or shouldn't think about them. And even though I do that too on a pretty regular basis, to all of that I say on Christmas Eve, bah humbug. It's the stories themselves, not the interpretations, that have shaped me. They meant one thing to me when I was five. They meant more and different things when I was ten. They shifted and they moved and they morphed through every age and stage of my life so far. And, rebel that I am, all that shifting and morphing has very little to do with what anybody has ever told me that I should think about them or believe about them. The story simply says that God loved the world so much that God decided to actually be born as a baby and live a human life as Jesus. It was a hard life, we're told. It was a short life. It was a life that loved everybody that society said you weren't supposed to love and a life that got fighting mad when religious people made it hard for others to find and love God. It was a life that told stories, and a life that became the greatest story ever told. We have no business keeping that story to ourselves. We have no business demanding that people come inside the walls of a church in order to hear it. As we learned at the Hanging of the Greens a few weeks ago, that's what made St. Francis of Assisi put the very first live nativity together back in the hills above Greccio, Italy in 1224 AD. The printing press wasn't invented. Every book at that time had to be handwritten. And there weren't many around, except in libraries and universities. The average person not only didn't have books, the average person couldn't read. But St. Francis knew the power of the story. And he knew that the story was never meant for just the priests and the scholars. Stories aren't meant to be controlled. If the story showed anything, it showed that Jesus belonged to everybody, especially those who didn't have the special opportunities and the privileges of life. And so St. Francis told the story in a way that anybody could understand. He gathered real animals and real people and put them in a real cave in the hills. And the people came. And they cheered. And they praised God because the story itself made God's love obvious. What sort of God would do this? What sort of great almighty deity would give up all of that glory and lie down in a feeding trough? So he said, that's what a manger is. 
The people there that night experienced the story. They became a part of it, and they understood God's love because St. Francis remembered that if you don't know the story, all the rest of it is pointless. When I went through the ordination process in Florida, my interviewing committee asked me what Bible passages I would show to someone who came into my office and didn't know anything at all about Christian faith. One of the reasons I didn't pass that interview (laughs) was that I told them that I would send the person home with the entire book of Luke because there was nothing to teach if the person didn't first know the story. And I thought of all the Gospels, Luke was the most complete and the most accessible. Well, they wanted me to turn to Romans and explain that the person was a sinner and that the wages of sin was death and all of that stuff. They said I didn't know anything about evangelism. And it was another year before they let me through. (laughs) But I stand by my answer. It's about the greatness of God's love, not the enormity of our sin. It's about the story, not about the interpretation. Take it in, young and old. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Hear it for the first time. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Hear it again and again. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Let it live and move and breathe through all the ages and stages of your life. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. There is a God And here's the story of what happened when God decided to become a real, live baby. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It is your life in conversation with the story that will reveal its meaning. Because if you're willing to live with the story, you will one day wake up to discover that you're living with God. Don't keep the story to yourself. And don't feel you can't tell it just because you haven't studied it for years. You don't have to say what it means. The Holy Spirit will teach those who hear it. Just tell it. A friend of mine refused to let any Christmas present be opened in their household until they had all first read the Christmas story together. She didn't preach. She didn't teach. She simply told the story and let the story year after year, present after present, let the story itself do the work of salvation. John says that the word became flesh. And that's what a story does. That's what a live nativity does. That's what happened when the story of God's love reached Hillary's heart. That's what happens when a story lives.
And that's why we tell it year after year, again and again. We are the keepers of the story. Let's never keep it to ourselves. Amen. Thanks for subscribing to Spirit Walker Sermons. If you're ever in the area, stop in for worship at 9.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings at 10 Church Street in Westford, Massachusetts. I'd love to have you stop by my website at www.annrobertson.com, where you can also subscribe to a weekly devotion, which you can receive either as an email or a podcast. I'd love to hear from you via email at ann at annrobertson.com. Thanks again for subscribing, and I hope your week is filled with God's blessings. Oh,